0: It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Boo! Boo! Sorry about that. This is Forward Nation Radio, and I'm David Leventhal. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I was not actually booing myself. Uh, As a Met fan, I was actually just getting ready for the 2020 World Series, much of which figures to be played in Citi Field. Anyway, on today's show, the world's most wanted terrorist is dead. A gerrymandering victory? Impeachment? Yeah, seems to be happening and some latest on our lords and masters the super rich but first the number one story of course in america this week is the world series uh not who won congratulations the nationals won uh that i guess is most noteworthy and most worthy of celebration because it probably makes donald trump ted cruz and rick perry unhappy okay not rick perry he Probably can't count to three Texas professional sports teams, but probably Trump and Ted Cruz. No, actually, the big story of the World Series is the President of the United States being roundly booed when he actually showed up for a World Series game expected undoubtedly to be treated like he is at his roaring fan rallies. Trump was roundly booed, hissed, and met with chants of lock him up. Or, as Fox News would put it, He got some mixed reaction from the fans of the volume or or the president of the United States was rudely treated by people in Washington, D.C. You know, those people. Too bad for Fox News. It wasn't quite Halloween or they could have just sold this as people entering into the Halloween spirit and saying boo to the president of the United States. No, he was roundly booed and the Republican Party is outraged outraged at this disrespect for a sitting president. This is a Republican Party that really thinks it is important to respect and honor the integrity, the sanctity of the office of the President of the United States. I'll wait a moment while while you stop laughing. Presumably you have a pretty good idea where this is going. We're not going to get into impeachment yet, but... Yeah, this, this this joke pretty much makes itself. Let's just go back to recent history when President Blackenheim was the president of the United States, where according to the Republican Party, it was perfectly okay for an elected politician to wag her finger in the face of the president of the United States. It was a perfectly okay for an elected congressman to yell "You lie!" during a presidential speech. Was it the State of the Union? I think it may have been the State of the Union. I don't know. But yell, you lie at the president of the United States. All of that was fine. But the Republicans are outraged at the fact that citizens might exercise their free speech rights by booing the president of the United States. Yeah, okay, they're really outraged. One thing about those Republicans, they are sure are principled believers in the idea of free speech. Well, they are principled believers in the idea of free speech, as I've talked about a lot on this show, whenever it comes down to rich people speaking with their money. And in fact, once again, the Republicans illustrate that leave this country in their hands for a little while longer, and that's the direction in which we are heading, where the only protected speech in this country, the only valued speech in this country, will be unlimited spending by incredibly rich people. and presumably lying on Facebook, of course. That's a pretty good one, too. Anyway, this takes me back to what I've been saying almost since the beginning of Forward Nation Radio. And let me say again, hooray for any citizen in this country who makes the President of the United States, anyone in his political party, anyone on his staff, anyone in his White House, and anyone who supports him feel absolutely unwelcome in civilized society. Hooray, Washington. And for that, I'm glad you run the World Series. Moving on to our next story, of course, one of the big stories, is ISIS leader al-Baghdadi is dead. And we can all celebrate that. Yes, we can all celebrate the death of another so-called human being, but this is one really worthy of celebrating. This is a terrorist leader who espoused violent extremism and declared war on the West and non-believers. This is a man for whom al-Qaeda was too tame. Okay, And yeah, we should be celebrating the fact that this guy is dead. Also, he had no place to build a Trump hotel. So seriously, what use was he? Unlike other brutal dictators, seriously, what did he have to offer to the United States? But of course, as we look at this story, other than the celebration, there's a couple of things that kind of jump out at us. One, of course, are the political implications. People are already talking about, does this help President Trump? Of course, it Obama apparently suffered a bit of a or, or received a bit of a bounce for a couple of weeks in his poll numbers, uh, when he kill or he engineered the killing of Osama bin Laden, the things being a little bit different in the sense that Ob- Obama actually had a role in getting, uh, bin Laden and Trump as we'll come back to in a moment, uh, has absolutely apparently no reason to take any credit whatsoever for the killing of Baghdadi, um, Also, it's worth noting, apparently, that Obama's bounce in the polls didn't last very long. So whether Trump receives a bounce here, one could presume it's not going to last very long. One will also hope that people will look at this and understand that his taking credit for killing Baghdadi and his expressions of joy in this and what he has accomplished is undermined somewhat by the fact, and and this is absolutely shocking, that U.S. intelligence officials, U.S. military officials, are actually coming out and stating, flat out, not only that the president isn't responsible for this, but that President Trump's actions absolutely undermined our efforts to kill Baghdadi and put U.S. troops and the U.S. soldiers that carried this out, U.S. Special Forces, in even greater harm's way than they otherwise would have been. So let's always keep in mind that President Trump, as is his wont, is taking credit for something that he not only deserves absolutely no credit for, but actually worked explicitly to undermine. But another thing to look at with the with, with this is the is the attribution that's being given to the role of the Kurds in this successful military mission. Yes, those Kurds. The Kurds that Donald Trump basically threw under the bus. You know who else is getting a lot of credit for all this? U.S. intelligence agencies. Yes, once again, the U.S. intelligence agencies that Donald Trump is lauding when it comes to killing Baghdadi, but has been at war with since the beginning of his presidency. It has been pointed out by some people in the know that the Kurds did more in this case to kill Baghdadi than, quote, all others combined. So that led the president to point out that we got very little help, that we did it on our own. And in fact, this is early. By next week, one can assume that Donald Trump will have actually been in the tunnel chasing Baghdadi. In fact, he probably will have been the only one in the tunnel and he will have flown the helicopters. Okay, moving on. This week, there's some more good news. We have a victory in the gerrymandering battles. Uh, unless you are extremely new to Forward Nation Radio, you know the concept of gerrymandering, or how politicians draw political boundaries to ensure that they never get voted out of office and their political party has as much powerful power as possible. Or, to put it another way, how politicians draw political boundaries, congressional boundaries, and state uh, congressional legislate, legislative boundaries to make sure that there really is no democracy in America. It is a reminder that a North Carolina state court came out and threw out North Carolina's con- map of congressional districts drawn by Republicans. It is a reminder how large the battle we face, the uphill battle we face against stolen elections. Remembering that gerrymandering is just one of the many quivers, arrows in the quiver. Is that the arrows in the quiver that Republicans have to try to steal elections? Only one of many. And we are reminded again of the efforts that they will go through to make sure they steal as many elections as they can in 2020. It's the only way they're going to maintain power in much of this country. The North Carolina State Court was having none of it. Least with regard to North Carolina congressional districts, the ruling by a three-judge panel at Superior Court technically imposed a temporary ban. Basis of the ruling was in fact uh, to to order an inj, an injunction to hold off while it considered the full merits of the case. It uh, ish, it imposed a temporary ban on using the map in primary elections in the spring. However. The judges, in an unusual move, in their temporary ruling, signaled that they were so unlikely to change their minds once all the evidence was in that they invited the plaintiffs in the case to seek summary judgment, ending the case in their favor. Summary judgment, for those who haven't gone through law school, is when a judge rules in favor of one of the parties. After discovery is done and before the case even goes to trial because the evidence is so overwhelming on one side. It is done with respect to frivolous lawsuits and cases that don't arguably have merit. Like, apparently, this one. The judges said they were prepared to postpone primary elections should that prove necessary to further litigate the case or draw new House districts themselves. This Again, as we celebrate this victory is a, not only a reminder of what we're up against when it comes to voting across this country, but what we are up against when it comes to courts around this country. Because remember, it was only months ago that the United States Supreme Court declined to act in the same case, basically, in the same congressional districts. The United States Supreme Court fully in the hands of Donald Trump and rabid conservatives it was interesting when reading about the discussion of the gerrymandering case, state Senate, North Carolina state Senate president, Phil Berger, a Republican, of course, responded to the decision by saying, quote, with judges deciding behind closed doors how many members of Congress from each party is acceptable, judicial elections have become the most consequential in America, close quote. And there's a couple of things I want to point out about this quote. One is, he has a problem with judges deciding behind closed doors, by the way, not so much behind closed doors with, an, with open hearings and open trials, how many members of Congress from each party is acceptable. Let's be clear, what the North Carolina State Senate President Phil Berger is saying is, it is the job of political parties working behind closed doors to determine how many members of Congress from each party is acceptable. On that front, I am reminded of the famous line, yes, from North Carolina. One of the map's principal drafters in North Carolina boasted a couple of years ago that he had given Republicans a 10 to 3 edge in seats, quote, because I do not believe it's possible to draw a map with 11 Republicans and two Democrats, close quote. So, yes, we are reminded, thank you, State Senate President Phil Berger, Republican, that it is not for judges to decide elections, or it is not for judges to decide that voters should decide elections. It is for politicians to decide elections. The other part of his quote, which we really need to be offended by, or at least cognizant of, is the idea that judicial elections have become the most consequential in America. An indication, again, of the importance of the judiciary all across America. A reminder to the liberals, those of us on the left, and those of us with any sanity and decency, that we need to understand the impact of elections on our judiciary, and therefore on this country for a generation, possibly. And we need to be as motivated as the other side. The other thing scary about that is that for much of this country in state courts, judges are elected. Most of those elections are basically as fraudulent, as corrupted by money as any political election in America. And it's another reminder that judges in this country are becoming as political as so-called politicians are becoming in this country. All of these things being unacceptable, and all of these things being why Democrats need to win big in 2020, and then Democrats need to change the courts. Okay, you've all been waiting for it. The big story of the month, the year so far, impeachment. Yes, impeachment. The congressional process to protect this country and our constitutional government. Or what the President of the United States calls lynching. Yes, lynching. That's the President of the United States speaking for you. Anyway, moving right along, and impeachment certainly is, but we'll try to keep you up to date. Just today, the House voted to set the rules for the impeachment process and to move forward on impeachment. Yes, the House had the pro-impeachment process vote that Republicans have been screaming for for weeks and about which they are now utterly outraged. Yes, that's right. They've been screaming for such a vote for weeks, and now they are outraged that it has actually happened. (laughs) That's consistency Republican style for you. The House voted almost unanimously, 232 to 2, to move forward in the impeachment investigation, impeachment process. And when I say almost unanimously, of course, I'm not counting Republicans who obviously shouldn't be counted, being basically nothing but a criminal part, criminal uh, organization at this point. There's no sense counting them. If you don't count the Republican criminals, the vote was 232 to 2 in favor of moving forward with impeachment. Well, maybe it was 233 to 2, actually, if you count the judge that ruled this week that the impeachment process was legal as it was going on, and then ordered special counsel Robert Mueller to turn over his documents, his sources, his background documents, to the House impeachment panels. All good news moving forward. How did Trump respond to all this? Well, the Department of Justice, under Attorney General William Barr this week, responded by stepping up its investigation as well. That is, its investigation of the Department of Justice. Its investigation of itself. Yes, while the House is moving forward investigating a blatantly criminal president of the United States, the Department of Justice is doing Trump's bidding and investigating the investigators. Barr, setting a new low bar, orders the investigation as a political favor for Donald Trump. Hey, maybe Bill Barr is about to get almost four hundred million dollars in military funding or something anyway in response to all this impeachment activity the crazies in the gop and i know crazies in the gop is like talking about the real smelly turds in the sewer but the craziest of the crazies staged staged protests in the united states congress yes With the blessings of the President of the United States, the, in the words of the President, the non-human scum Republicans, President this week, having referred to Republicans that might show an ounce of decency, independence, or respect for the law as, quote, human scum, these non-human scum Republicans had disrupted a hearing on impeachment. Interestingly enough, this hearing was being held In SCIF, an ultra-secure facility set up for Congress to hold such very secret hearings. A facility that's supposed to be so secure, for instance, that cell phones are not allowed. Electronic equipment is not allowed. Who is allowed in is very strictly regulated. So the Republicans just barged in with their cell phones, with their cameras, taking pictures. Yeah, these are guys who have a lot of respect for America, they're standing up for America. Yeah. Um, to give you an idea how honestly felt this protest was, the Republicans who broke into the Philly were just—we're supposed to believe were just outraged, outraged at the uh, at the unfairness of the process because you know they're all about fairness. I guess it. Couldn't have been said better than it was said by Rep. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, who on Wednesday complained that Republicans were demonstrating out of frustration, quote, at the idea that they can't be a part of this, close quote. They can't, they are denied any part in this. They are being frozen out of the process, which the Democrats are using partisanly to run roughshod over Republicans. Well, only the churlish pointed out that the Republicans have been in every hearing room the Democrats have been in since the process started. They have been able to ask their own questions in every hearing room since the process has started. In fact, during some of the groundbreaking testimony of this past week, which I'll come to in one moment, Mr. Jordan himself, Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, he who was complaining about the unfairness of completely freezing Republicans out of this process, on Tuesday, the very day before he did that, he had praised the Republican lawyers for their questioning of the witness in the hearing. Okay, just so I'm clear on this. On Tuesday, he praises what a great job the Republicans are doing. On Wednesday, he complains that the Republicans don't get to do any job at all. This is what it means to be a Republican. This is what the impeachment is coming down to, whether people in this country have any respect for the Constitution or this country or what it's supposed to stand for. I talked in our last show about the need for a John Dean, someone who can give tremendously compelling testimony from inside the administration. Well, I guess we had a couple of applicants for that position this past week, starting with Bill Taylor, the top U.S. diplomat in Ukraine, where he had been serving since 1980, he's been serving in the government since 1985 in our Foreign Service with distinction under Republicans and Democrats. He gave testimony about parallel tracks regarding the way we conducted foreign policy, including in Ukraine. Parallel tracks, meaning official channels by whatever has actually been uh, confirmed to be in our government, and Rudy Giuliani and his ilk, the secret people, you know, just like Nixon had his secret henchmen, his slush funds. Well, Donald Trump has his as well. And Bill Taylor testified to these parallel tracks regarding Ukraine and having to deal with these people who were not accountable to the American public, like Rudy Giuliani. He pointed out that he had informed people that Ukrainians would die at the hands of Russia. Our Ukrainian Ukrainian allies, people who were fighting for democracy, people who we were helping, who Congress had already authorized $400 million in military aid, would die at the hands of Russia because of what Donald Trump was doing so that he could win an election. This creates a real problem for Republicans. Bill Taylor is not quite as easily dismissed as most of the people they just call liars and charlatans. Not that they won't try. This has been pointed out by a former U.S. ambassador. Bill Taylor is known for his credibility. His quote was, if Bill Taylor says it happened, it happened. A man who, through his whole career, apparently has been known for his credibility. Or, as the White House spokesperson, spokes liar, paid spokes liar, Stephanie Grisham says, Taylor is part of a coordinated smear campaign from far-left lawmakers and radical unelected bureaucrats waging a war on the Constitution. By the way, spoiler alert, this is also the way Stephanie Grisham is referring to to Santa Claus's naughty list for 2019. Rumor has it, Donald Trump is on it. Anyway, Bill Taylor's testimony was credible enough and important enough to get Trump lackey Gordon Sondland to scurry to try to change his story. Sondland had already been informed there was a pretty good chance that he might face impeachment charges because... He had testified otherwise under oath, and everybody knew at the time he was lying. Well, now it looks like to save his own skin, Trump lackey and worthless ultra-millionaire Gordon Sondland has rushed to change his story and say, yes, there was this idea that Trump knew about of getting Ukraine to help Donald Trump in his election." But that was just the beginning of the time we've been off, the couple of weeks. Um, You should also meet, when it comes to the application to be the new John Dean, Colonel Alexander Vindman. Alexander Vindman, just a few days ago, another man with an absolutely impeccable resume. A man described as a scholar, diplomat, and a decorated officer of our military. Or, as some would have it, a man who has not had to suffer through bone spurs his whole life. A man who was a Jewish refugee from Ukraine as a child. Well, that will allow the right, I guess, to trash him for being Jewish. I wonder if he knows George Soros. You know those guys hang together. I mean, one thing about Republicans, they'll, they'll make this indication that this Jewish guy has it in for Trump. They will attack this guy for his Jewishness, and they won't even have to worry about this costing them with right-wing Jewish morons who continue to support them because of their tax cuts and the money they're getting. But anyway, Colonel Alexander Vindman came and burst the next set of lies that the Republicans had reverted to. Whereas Taylor had come out and said there clearly was a quid pro quo, the Republicans retreated one step and were saying, well, he wasn't even there. This is all he say he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, meet meet Alexander Vindman, because Alexander Vindman was there. He was on the call. He was present during the call with the Ukrainian president. And he was so moved by the Security risk that it posed to America that he had to report it to his superiors twice. He thought it was a very big deal. Also, another little thing with Vidman it turns out, according to Vidman, that the so called almost transcript that the White House released of the phone call with the Ukrainian president was a lie. Who could have seen this coming? The White House released a so called transcript was it summary of his conversation was a lie hey look to bill barr where was he during all this it turns out that the transcript they released which was damning already turns out it was even more damning the reason they released it is to try to head off the even more damning stuff that he actually did say so anyway going back to what this has spurred with regard to the republican party We've basically got ourselves right now a national game of whack-a-mole. By that, I mean the Republicans don't have any defense. Trump has no defense at this point to impeachment. So they've been making shit up as they go along. But every time they make something up, within a day, basically, it seems, some very credible witnesses come out to completely show that that was a lie, that the Republican defense was bullshit. So they just retreat and come up with a different defense. And then when that's hit down, then when, when someone shoots that one down, they, they move to a different one. Just like a game of whack-a-mole. Okay, where every time the Republicans say something and it's like some respected witness takes a, a gavel or a mallet down and smacks the rodents right on their head. Rodents, of course, being the Republican Party and their defenders. Hits those plastic rodents right on their heads. And what do they do? They just pop up elsewhere. They pop up with a different excuse. Well, you didn't like that one? Try this one. Try this one. Try this one. Doesn't matter what it is. And while they're doing all this, one thing that we can be sure of is they will constantly be talking about how Democrats do not respect this country or its institutions. And God forbid, do not show sufficient respect for the President of the United States. Anyway, before we leave, it's been longer than usual since our last show. That's for a couple of reasons. One, I've been sick. You might hear that in my voice. And two, I get my internet connection through Optimum, which means I often don't get my, my internet connection because that's what it's like to deal with oligopolies that are completely unaccountable to people or, as I would describe it, most of the business world at this point in America. So we're gonna have a show in another few days about what it means to be unaccountable, what it means to have the fabulously wealthy who are not responsible for anyone or anything run this country. And I wanna set the stage for that show by spending a few moments at the end of this week's show talking about some events from this week that shed a little bit of a light on our lords up high. In case you've somehow missed this, the CEO of Boeing, Dennis Mullenberg, has been hauled in front of Congress, where he's been grilled, presumably by Democratic Congress people, for the fact that Boeing essentially murdered 346 people. And Dennis Mullenberg has been up there, like everybody else who gets hauled in front of Congress, like Mark Zuckerberg or whatever else, and saying he's really sorry, and he is really Sorry. In fact, he points out that he thinks of the 346 dead every day. Perhaps while he's counting his pennies. No, not his pennies, his $100 bills or his $1,000 bonds or whatever it is. Yes, he thinks of the dead, 346 and their family members, every single day. Except apparently he thinks of his shareholders, oh not really his shareholders, himself as a shareholder, a hell of a lot more than he thinks about them. He's so concerned about this. He's so racked with grief over these deaths. How much of the money that he's made while being a criminal is he going to give back? I understand he hasn't volunteered to give any back. Any of the undoubtedly tens or hundreds of millions of dollars he will be making from Boeing. He will not be giving any of that back. Nevertheless, you can rest assured, he feels sorry. He feels sorry about the fact that Increasingly we are finding out That they knew about these problems They were warned over and over again By their own engineers And they ignored it Because money was at stake And who cared about a few lives When money was at stake After the first crash The warnings became Even more salient But they didn't do anything After the second crash They didn't do anything either He's really, really sorry and thinks every every day about those dead. But maybe for the first two days after the second crash, he wasn't thinking so much about it because two days after the crash, he wrote a letter saying you should still not ground this plane. Two days after the second crash. But this is the man who's really, really sorry. And by the way, if we just give him maybe a few more hundreds of millions of dollars, I bet he'll promise to make amends. Kind of like a story I just... It's just mind-boggling. I assume most of my listeners are too young to remember Michael Milken. Michael Milken, known as the Junk Bond King, was, so, was such a freaking criminal leading to a recession caused by the Junk Bond Collapse that he actually went to prison. Someone in the finance community to go to prison has to be such an unbelievable criminal that they, I guess, outshine all of the other criminals that pretty much comprise the entirety of our financial community. Well, it turns out he's back on the scene. He's back on the scene, compliments of our Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin, who's been greasing the skids for our laws to be changed so that Michael Milken, come back and make billions more. Anyway, join us in a few days on our show on the Ultra Rich. Thanks for joining us. Be good until then. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal.